Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Hockey in the Classroom, episode 22. As always, with you, Matt Wally Wallacek, uh, accompanied by my buddy down in Big D, Dallas. Tony, how are we doing? Good, man. Can't believe it's uh, it's December, almost Christmas time, and World Juniors is almost here. World Juniors, and we're uh, we got college hockey that's in full gear here, too, which is kind of odd to say that, considering the uh, the year that we've had. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm so happy, happy to be at this point. And the fact that, you know, our our college town at Kalamazoo and, and Pfizer is coming out with that vaccine. So maybe we'll be able to get to a game sooner rather than later. You know, I really do hope so, because uh, I don't know how I mean, I, you know, it's good that we can watch college hockey in the comfort of our own home. But sometimes you just got to be there. You know, one thing that's really great to have come from, well, there's been some good things that have come from this, you know, the fact that we've all been able to, you know, really realize how easily we're able to com- communicate virtually and, and, you know, catch up. But I think the pod with the NCHC has been one of my favorite things to come out of this pandemic. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you. I, it, it's definitely a, a spin that I don't think really, uh, it, it's really kind of come in its own. And I think the the way the NCHC is, has adapted kind of the, what the NHL did with the playoffs has really paid dividends. I mean, I, I don't think, Tony, that I'm, that I'm aware of, I haven't read anything about any major outbreaks or cases or, or positive tests that have, um, have caused any games to be canceled or anything like that. So what the NCHC did out in Omaha, it, it's definitely worked. Um, and kudos to the to the people in the background that got it set up for that way um, from the producers that are, you know, working day in and day out for the NC, NCHC TV down all the way to getting that arena set up uh, for three, four games a day. It's it's <laughs> it's going by fast, but we're actually almost out of the pod system, which is crazy to say because it's only been a couple of weeks. But I think the pods only got one more week and then we're back to to the regular uh, travel schedule for the NCHC. And, you know, I wonder how much th- this pod system with, you know, teams playing every single, every single day, um, the fact that you're not playing series and, you know, you're not getting as much rest in between weekends, how much this is, you know, affecting some of these players, some of these teams, the preparation and everything. Well, it's funny you mentioned that uh, watching the uh, Western uh, Denver game earlier this afternoon. Um, and in fact, Ben Holden, Dave Starman kind of touched based on that, how this has really become with the scheduling more of a uh, AHL, NHL lifestyle than a college lifestyle where it's it's more games and more rest in between than practicing. Um, and I don't know if they really got any player um, – players to kind of comment on you know what they would prefer Uh, but it's definitely something different I know that Dave Starman said that talking with some of the coaches um, they would prefer the college style which is more rest and practicing in between game series but um, you know I think they would kind of agree that they're happy to be coaching behind the bench in any form of a college hockey game at this point yeah you're totally right but from a fan's perspective I absolutely love this setup. I love the weekday games. I, you know, I almost wish, I, I mean, apart from these students being student athletes first and, you know, weekday games potentially affecting classes, but, you know, you look at college basketball, does it all the time. Um, college volleyball does it all the time where they're traveling during the week. And, and I think it adds to a cool element where you're not getting that preparation. I think the fact of upsets happening is a lot more prevalent. And, and you know, we've seen some of that already. Well, yeah, we have, and we're definitely going to touch base on that in a little bit here. But no, I, yeah, I would kind of agree with you there. I mean, it's it's we've seen college hockey. Re- I mean, and Tony, we've seen in the years past, you get that random Tuesday game, random Thursday game, and when as a college hockey fan, you almost loved seeing that, even though you knew the the main the big the main portion of these games each week were Friday, Saturday. Um, but you almost kind of wondered, do these guys really need Sunday through Thursday to prep? practice rest and travel especially when it comes to the injuries and you hear all these injuries that happen through the season um and granted you never know the extent of any of these injuries when especially in hockey these days you know it's just upper body lower body (laughs) that can mean anything but um you would think after four or five days of rest you can get somewhat healthy or stay healthy and and sometimes that's not the case so uh, but as a fan you're right i mean (laughs) Being able to flip on your iPad or your TV and there there's a college hockey game on at three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, I'm never going to complain about that. 
<laughs> no, absolutely not. It's like it's it's heaven on earth. But Tony, um, you know, you mentioned World Juniors, which is a huge part of college hockey, especially when these players go to try out for the respected countries to to represent where they came from, whether it's the U.S., Canada, and so forth. And uh, so, how, how are we doing with the the World Junior prep getting re- getting ready to kick off here? Yeah, I mean, so at one at Boston University was going to have three players on on a World Junior. I think it was on the Team USA's roster, if I'm not mistaken. I could be completely wrong. Um, they were on Team USA's roster, but um, the shutdown of BU's hockey activities led to a change of plans for them. But I, most of Team USA's roster it can, comes from you know college kids, and this year Team Canada even has three college kids on it. So um, it it adds for an interesting um, twist to this season, especially when you consider it'd be one thing if this was in the U.S., but you know having to go to Canada where the quarantine rules are, are a little bit more strict and crossing that border is a little more difficult. Yeah. Which is what we're seeing for any, you know, anybody that keeps up with the NHL news and that's kind of the effect of why the NHL is now altered the divisions and, you know, not to get away from the college hockey or the juniors. Um, but it, it's just to your point is the, uh, you know, the U S versus Canada and, and how COVID's being handled as far as being quarantined and all that and traveling, it's, it's different. Um, and, and it makes things a little bit more difficult, especially when it comes to hockey, where it's, you know, we got players from all over the world that are playing, um, not just in the ju- world juniors, but even in college hockey. I mean, we still have guys that are coming over from uh, Europe that are playing college hockey, whether they're playing for, you know, their college team right now because they stayed in the U.S. or they're back over home and, and they're not playing college hockey this year because they can't travel. It's it's just different times, Tony. Let me tell you, it's it's <laughs> something that I really it's hard to digest. But you understand what what is going on and why certain players are doing certain, you know, what they're doing. Yeah, and that was a worry that AIC had this season was so many of their their players are international um, players, and they were wondering if they were going to get. I think there's eleven players or something like that, and they're wondering if they're going to get them back, and and they did. But yeah, it's it's definitely becoming more and more prevalent to see international guys choosing the college route these simply because of the growth of college hockey and just, you know, the proven track record now that players are having. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, I watched the Western Denver game earlier today and Dave Starr made a great point that he, um, you know, he said a few of these players and he, and he was talking specifically about one, I believe out of Denver, you know, chose to go the college route because, he wanted the four years to develop not only his overall game, but even his physical attributes, his strength, his speed, um, you know, the mental side of the game. So the fact that college hockey is developing in that that aspect that, hey, you want to develop to get ready for the pros, go play the college route. Um, I think we're seeing that more and more, which is which is really nice and cool to see um, the, the respect that college hockey, I think, has been long awaiting and deserving. Um, and, you know, it's kind of finally here. Yeah, no, truly. And I think I, I think it was you that brought it up a couple years ago. Um, I think when it was when McDavid and Eichel were, were going into the draft. And I think we were sitting at like Shakespeare's um, having having some brews and eating that free popcorn. And, you know, you made that really good point where it's OK, you look at the call, you know, you look at the juniors game and you're going to, up against that 19 year old. But then in college, you might be going up against that third or fourth line forward that's six foot four, 240 pounds and is 24 years old. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember that exact night and I remember making the defense that I would have chose if I was a GM, I was taking Eichel over McDavid for one, one specific reason. I thought Eichel physically was more built for NHL ready roster than McDavid because, and this is where I'm in this. And the reason I say that, okay, we all know how Connor McDavid plays one of the greatest players in the world, as we speak, and it's going to keep dominating the game for years on that. You don't get a Connor McDavid skill like every day, but you can develop into a, in a into a Jack Eichel body wise on the ice, physically and mentally. And Jack Eichel went as an eight, 17, 18 year old kid at BU already was built the NHL way physically. And he got better throughout the season, which we saw on the ice correlate. That's why I, I, was more in favor of 
Jack Eichel <laughs> over McDavid, which I'm sure a lot of people would be cringing here, hearing me say that, but that's just, and it's not because I'm completely biased towards college hockey. But I just don't believe that the, the OHL and, and whatever else, uh, yes, do, do they get you ready for the NHL draft and get you ready to get to the pros? Yes. But do they get you to that physical standpoint? I, I just haven't, I just don't believe they're there like the college rock can get you. Yeah, there's definitely, I, I and I'm, maybe I just listened to you and, and went with it, but I mean, it definitely makes sense, especially with, with how old some of these guys are. And, you know, like you said, the amount of time that you're putting in, you're putting oftentimes three, four years in into it. So, I mean, it could definitely change. I mean, like, look at the NHL. This When I was saying this, Tony, I'm pretty sure the, I mean, the NHL was kind of in a transition period where we were, we were seeing little less hitting and, and I'm not even, and I don't even like saying it that way. I mean, we still see a lot of bodies being thrown around in the NHL. But we saw, where I think we've really started seeing more of a development in the speed and skill aspect, um, and the traditional hockey play is kind of trying to be phased out. When I when I talk about the original hockey play, I'm talking about fighting, and you know, you, you just don't see the '70s, you know, flyers throwing their bodies around and just stirring up shit. Uh, you just don't see that anymore in the NHL, and. Uh, so I think maybe, you know, at some point, you know, the junior route might be the way to go. Juniors, it's a lot of speed. It's a lot of skill. And that's where McDavid came from. Um, and a lot of great players have gone that route. I still think, though, even with speed and skill, you're going to need to be physically built and mentally ready. And I think the college route definitely does that with all the, the talent you have behind the bench with the coaching staff and and the behind-the-scenes staff with the equipment managers and the, and the physicians. I, I just don't see – a better route than the college route. If you're not going to make that jump to the pros right away. Yep. Absolutely. I th- I, yeah. You, I think you hit that right in the head for most of those high end guys, especially if they're Canadians. I mean, I think that's such a safe, you know, that's almost a better route to go when you know, you're gu- guaranteed almost to be a top, a first round pick. And, you know, you're not going to be in major juniors for long. Whereas, you know, you go to, you're an American kid and I'm thinking like states like Minnesota or Boston, where, you know, you grew up with, with some of those teams and that was, you know, one, that was kind of your childhood. Um, So I think there's some of that that adds to it, but no, absolutely. Yeah. And Tony, just to switch gears here, I mean, uh, some other big news here. You almost got to wonder if Alabama Huntsville has kind of sparked us a little bit. Uh, with what they were able to do to save their program for the next year or two. Uh, Alaska Anchorage community is rallying around right now to save uh, their program out there. Um, A group called Save Seawolf Hockey, um, believe it or not, has already raised uh, just over a million dollars for a $3 million goal. This $3 million per this uh, group, which is a lot of fans, alumni, and local business, uh, business people, are they believe the three million dollar goal will will give them at least another two years of seawolf hockey right now um so just to see this community is rallying around now granted alaska is not playing college hockey this year due to covid with the traveling there's no alaska hockey period now this is before that happened um so i just want to point that out uh we knew that this program was not going to make it this year COVID or not COVID. Um, and I think, Tony, we've talked about this even last year. I think we kind of saw this kind of coming, that the program's just kind of been dwindling year after year. And uh, so I think when we first saw this earlier in the year, I don't think we were shocked by any means. Um, but definitely it's awesome to see that these communities that you just don't hear about in the college hockey world, they're rallying around their program trying to save it. So we get another one that's trying to be saved right now. Um, per, uh, per this college hockey news article that I, I got this info from, uh, they are looking for another one and a half in donations, another half, one and a half in pledges. And, and their, their deadline is February 21st. Um, so we're just a little over two months away from that date. Um, but, you know, Alabama Huntsville was able to save their season, their team, their season, and hopefully their program for a while, for a long time, with the community backing them and all that, and a, and a big donation. Um, so you you, you kind of hope, you know, with the Alaska Anchorage here, you kind of hope for the same thing because this is pretty cool to see the, this, this community rallying around them right now. 
Yeah, and so one of my coworkers is from Anchorage, and and they went to they went to Anchorage, and one of the things, and and the same thing with Fairbanks is up in Alaska, they don't have the. It's kind of like when you look at programs like North Dakota, or you, you know, you look at some of those small towns in the Midwest that have USHL teams, or really even minor league baseball for that matter, where it's like that might be the only ticket in town, and up in Alaska, that is the only ticket in town. Um, whether that be Seawolves or Nanooks hockey, that's what they have. Um, and taking that away is like a big, you know, entertainment piece that is, is gone from those communities that, that spark of, of entertainment. And, and like you did say, um, Fairbanks has announced that they're, they've opted out of this season. So totally makes sense with, with everything, but definitely, and it, it might actually be a really good move financially for these programs to you know not take on the burden of of you know the travel and the equipment and all that kind of stuff yeah no i agree i mean not even just for alaska's sakes for both of them if they were both going to be in action this year but even the schools that are trying to travel out to alaska it, it just this time the times that we're in right now it's just difficult so you you respect the uh, fairbanks and the decision they made uh, the Nanooks, we knew that this wasn't going to happen, like I said, COVID or no COVID. Um, but it, it seems like they're pretty optimistic as far as if they can get the uh, enough donations to keep this program alive. Uh, like I said, per this article that I, uh, that I noted here from College Hockey News, you know, the university is expected to have a new chancellor in place um, that will help boost the athletics. They're working on a five to ten year operating marketing plan to really keep this program strong and moving along despite uh which has been not only affecting uh the nanooks but also uh really all, all of alaska uh which is you know money's just not there and we've seen a lot of budget cuts over the last years a few years for them um so despite all what's going on that they're they're being optimistic here that's the big thing is that they got to get the funds so um, from the guys from hockey in the classroom, we're rooting for you guys. Um, this is a big thing. Uh, like I said, if Alabama Huntsville was able to be saved, I had no doubt Alaska Anchorage will be saved. Absolutely. And, and hopes, hopes for the Seawolves. I think their call is Aou or something like that. <laughs> um, and then Tony, lastly here for me, at least, um, Kind of big news here, the ECAC uh, announcing an 18-game in-league schedule to start December 31st. Now, granted, Tony, we've had Clarkson already in Quinnipiac in action so far this season. Not many games, I believe, just under three games apiece for both of them. Um, but unfortunately... Colgate has played, too. Okay, and Colgate as well. So, unfortunately, it's not going to be the whole conference. Uh, we already know the Ivy League schools have opted out with RPI and Union uh, back earlier in November. Um, so as of right now, this is a four team conference that will start December 31st, 18 game per, uh, 18 games per team with a single elimination postseason starting the, uh, March 18th. And I think what's going to be nice, Tony, for this conference is like you might made the comment earlier, these teams are going to really get to know each other. Well, <laughs> a nice four team rivalry here. But what I like about the setup that they're trying to keep alive for at least these four schools that are not opting out of the season. Um, if if we do run into COVID issues, they have uh, quite a few open weekends, and, and I throw open in quotes, um, where they can utilize essentially almost like a bye week and, and get their program, their team, or whoever is infected with COVID um, the time to quarantine and get back healthy and not have to cancel a series, but just move the series to another weekend. So there's some flexibility in the schedule. So for your ECAC fans out there and your college hockey fans, uh, you will get four teams out of this conference. Um, and per this article, I read the, to get a NCAA bid into the big dance, they only, the league needs three teams to qual or to play this year. So they got four. So, expect an ECAC team to make uh, the national tournament this year, which is good to hear and see. Good. It's much deserved. No, I agree. Especially what we're, what, what everything's been going through. And I mean, that's, that's a conference that I feel, you know, over the last few years, I mean, really the last decade almost is they're putting out some really, really good teams. Are they, you know, as fully balanced as like hockey East or the NCHC or the big 10? No. 
but I think they're getting dangerously close. Well, I mean, Tony Clarkson's been a dominating team for the last five-plus years that I've been watching college hockey, and they seem to just get better and better each year. They just, they've just they struggled to, you know, get, you know, once they get into the NCAA tournament, it's just, you know, finishing it off in style the way that, you know, you kind of hope they would. But Clarkson's been putting out a great team, and we already know from the women's side they got a great team over there. So Clarkson, I agree, has been doing it. We saw Quinnipiac, what, about three, four seasons ago. They were one of the favorites for, uh, you know, for quite some time. And the, the talent on that ice um, that they were putting out uh, was incredible. And we've seen a little bit of a downfall from them. They made a run towards the end of last year, though. I remember I remember kind of doubting them throughout the year. And <laughs> here they come creeping up slowly. And they've been playing fairly well so far this year, despite I, I know it's only been three, four games, but. Um, you know, I think the teams that, you know, that are going to be playing this year, Clarkson, Colgate, Quinnipiac, and St. Lawrence, I, I think that's four solid programs for the ECAC. I would agree. Absolutely. I mean, Grant, I think Clarkson's going to come out top. I think Clarkson's the, the stronger team out of the four, but I wouldn't sleep on Quinnipiac, Colgate, or St. Lawrence. I think they can, they can sneak their way past Clarkson here. I mean, 18 games and you're playing for, you know, there's four teams in this conference that are going to be playing. <laughs> Anything can happen at this point. You're you're so right with that, and and it, it's going to be fun to watch, and it, it it'll be interesting to see what kind of you know rivalries form this season. Um, but Tony, uh, now that we're, I mean, I guess kind of we got a good portion of college hockey out of our way so far for the month of December, end of November. Um, and we've seen a lot of different things. Grant, we do not have a lot of teams still in action here, but the teams we do have in action, we've seen we've seen some upsets, and we've seen some kind of surprise stories here. Um, one that I don't think that is surprising, though, is Minnesota getting the number one ranking here. And I hate saying this because I know I don't follow the U.S. As far as the ranking system, I'm not a big USCHO fan because at the end of the day it comes down to the pairwise. But Minnesota – overtaking number one and I don't think we're shocked by that undefeated you know it's tough it, right now early on I I would say they're of three teams that jump out to me that are super impressive I mean they're at the top with them Duluth and then uh, Boston College I I think you're looking at three teams as you know we kind of predicted and I, and I think North Dakota's in there you know they've had a little bit of a slow start but you know having really only 17 skaters right now and, and playing as well as they are um, right now, they're without Jake Sanderson, Tyler Clevin, Judd Caulfield, um, Harrison Blaisdell, and then Ethan Frisch. Without all those guys, that's a that's a lot of firepower that you're missing. And then to be shorthanded on top of it, um, I, I think North Dakota is a team that will be back. But yeah, I mean, you you mentioned Minnesota, and I think they're what they're eight and zero on the season. Um, we all thought that Michigan series, and this this makes me question Michigan too. Um, they just absolutely dominated Michigan. Oh, yeah, hands down. And, I mean, Michigan, when they played Minnesota, uh, Minnesota was four. I believe Michigan was the number five team in the nation here. And granted, that was only, I think, four games into the season. Uh, but I remember watching one of those games. I think it was the Saturday game, and I think Minnesota blanked them. Uh, and and <laughs> it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty bad for Michigan. <laughs> I was expecting a close game. But, I, like, Tony, what – we've talked about in the past and even last year, and I think he's only getting stronger is, and that's the goaltending in Minnesota, LaFontaine. Minnesota's only given up eight goals so far in eight games. Uh, I mean, that's an impressive stat. Yeah. For eight games, you're giving up one goal a game right now. And when we talk about some of these other uh, high power teams, I mean, Boston college, granted, it's only played six games. They're giving up 12 goals so far. I, the Minnesota goaltending and the defense right now that they got going on for them, I think is going to be a difference maker. I won't be shocked if Minnesota makes a run for a natty, uh, natty this year. And I know Tony, a few weeks ago, we were both saying we, we, I think we got North Dakota winning a national championship this year. Uh, right now, Minnesota is kind of saying um, uh, we can make a run just as easy as they are. And I, and I'm not doubting them right now. <laughs> From a historic, like from a historic college hockey standpoint, you know, if if you saw Duluth and Boston College and Minnesota and North Dakota and the in the Frozen Four, how awesome would that oh, be? And that would could be you sweet. imagine? 
a Minnesota North Dakota national championship. I think the first thing that I would picture would just be her Brooks. <laughs> yeah. Try yeah. trying to get them all on the same ice together. Um but uh that would be and something I don't think we've seen in quite a long time. So I you know, but something I was kind of thinking about earlier today and you know, Bob Motzko, who came over to Minnesota a few years ago. I mean, now we're starting to see why he was so good at St. Cloud. He's got his guys now finally in. I mean, that first year, year and a half with Minnesota, they they struggled. And I, you know, granted, that's when you get a new coach in the system. You know, he wants he's going to recruit his guys. He's going to put his system in his coaching staff. And it's the same with any sport that gets a new coach, right? Well, now you're starting to see the effects of what happens when Bob Mosco gets to settle in for a few years, and uh, he's been one of the better the better college hockey coaches uh, for some time now. Like I said, we saw him dominate at St. Cloud, and now we're starting to see him dominate at Minnesota. Um, and it's scary for if you're a Big Ten fan <laughs> that's not a Minnesota fan right now. <laughs> Well, and you look at last year, the two youngest teams in the country were Minnesota and Wisconsin, the two teams that that sit, you know, one and two in the Big Ten right now. And and it, the way Minnesota played at the end of the year, like we said, it it makes sense with how young they were, how well they played at the end of the last season. That right now they're sitting at number one in the country. And I, if it's not unanimous, it should be unanimous. Yeah, I agree. The only thing that I I take away from Wisconsin being number two is. Again, their goaltending and defense is still not the greatest. I mean, when we're talking about a goals for and a goals against percentage, it's it's they're breaking even essentially. Um, it's just the defense and the goaltending is just still not there. It's something we've been talking about for the last couple of years now, especially on the podcast here. Is, uh, Granado is great with the offense and great at <laughs> recruiting offense, but the defense is just – I just have not seen now – from last year and the beginning of this year, I've not seen an improvement on them. I, I've seen more. The only improvement I've seen from Wisconsin from last year is that they're just scoring more to make up for the bad defense and goaltending. I mean, that's pretty much uh, the Big Ten in a nutshell. It seems well, that's like, true. Over the last few years. But the Big Ten right now, outside of Minnesota, there's not a single team that's above 500. No, exactly. And really, I mean, this is kind of the conversation we had last year going to the playoffs. Between number two and number – technically number eight, you throw Arizona State in there. There's really not a lot separated between two and eight. That could flip-flop any day after one game. I mean, Minnesota right now is just in the driver's seat at one. It's going to take a few games to knock them off if you're a Big Ten uh, – you know, another Big Ten program here. But Wisconsin can drop from two to five in one to two games. I mean, it's not going to take a lot. So if you're at Michigan State at seven – you know, you're, you're not out of it right now. You're still, you could, you can get number two in probably a week <laughs> at this rate, um, which will, I mean, if you're a hockey fan in general, that's going to make a fun season just, just to see how it bops up and down. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I, I do, I, I mentioned Michigan earlier, it's, you know, they got off to such a hot start, but you know, they've really cooled down, you know, they've been swept by Notre Dame, swept by Minnesota and, you know, got a split with Penn State. Well, worst part, those games against Notre Dame and Minnesota were at Yost. I mean, those are games, yeah, there are no fans there, but you're sleeping in your own bed, and those are games you should really win. Yeah, the fans are no fans. The fact that you're in your own barn and you can't get out W here is it's a little concerning. And yet Michigan was a hot start. Um, I think when – Tony, you and I recorded a few weeks ago. I kind of made the comment. I'm like, is this the Michigan team that we used to see back in the Red Berenson era? Uh, and I think initially I said, I think we're going to start seeing Michigan become that team. And now the last week and a half, two weeks, they've gone back to a couple years ago, uh, which is, you know, you kind of hope for the Michigan program, who's been known for many, many years to be a dominant program, not just in the Big Ten, but back in the CCHA and so forth, you just don't want to revert back to the, those last few seasons when the years after Red Berenson had left. Um, and you were kind of hoping for how this season was going to kick off with, you know, really contending for a Big Ten championship and, and a national title here. So it's going to be interesting. The one thing, though, you pointed out, Tony, Notre Dame did did rally against Michigan. Notre Dame got off to a cold start, but I remember saying, I think on the podcast, if not, I think I – 
told you uh, in a text or something, Jeff Jackson, who I hold in the highest regards as one of the best college hockey coaches out there. Um, I had no so stoic on the bench. Oh yeah, <laughs> I uh, I I knew he would get his program turned around at some point, and and here he is. He's starting to turn Notre Dame around here uh, at five hundred, four and four overall, three and three in the conference. But I think that overall, that's counting Arizona State technically. Um, so there, he's he's getting his team's legs under them. They're finding their groove here. The offense is starting to come alive again. Granted, like I said earlier this, you know, a few weeks back, Notre Dame lost some great goaltending and, you know, great players, you know, from the off, you know, going into the pros and graduation. So it's, you know, how do they bounce back from that? And I think we're seeing them starting to bounce back. So Notre Dame, you know, here they come. Yeah. And, and I mean, these are all programs that you just want to see good. Well, yeah, I agree. And I, and Tony, I know we've, you know, we've mentioned it before. I think we're still going to see a very competitive big time. I grant, I know Minnesota's eight. No, I don't think they're going to stay undefeated. You know, at some point it's still a long season ahead of us. Um, but I still think we're going to see a very competitive big 10 conference here as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. 100%. I mean, Tony, another competitive conference, though, and that's the NCHC. And like we talked about earlier, the pot system seems to be working well, and there's a lot of games going on week in and week out. Um, are we shocked, though, that Minnesota, Duluth, St. Cloud, and North Dakota are 1, 2, and 3? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, the St. Cloud part a little bit. I think but... the only one I'm a little shocked about, maybe, uh, maybe Nebraska-Omaha, but uh, so far in the pot, they've been playing fairly well really getting their uh, legs under them. Um, another team, I, I off to a slow start. I know the record won't show this, um, especially because they're not playing with their, their starting goalie. He's out for the rest of the pod, and that's Western Michigan. When I, and I refer to the goal, I'm talking about Bussy here. Uh, but Western Michigan the last week and a half, really starting to kind of develop and get in their own groove here. Um, really starting to see the old Andy Murray way, Tony, and I know what you know I'm talking about, and that's – physical on the boards making it difficult for you to breathe type of um play and that's what we're seeing western michigan also playing a lot of freshmen which i know we're not shocked about they had the largest senior class last year got to replace the seniors this year uh right now i think they got almost seven freshmen starting in the lineup right now uh and all contributing in different ways but I think as the season keeps progressing, we're going to see Western get stronger and stronger. And Ethan Frank right now is is lighting the lamp for them, which is helping their helping them uh, stay kind of afloat right now in the NCHC. But I, like I said, I think Western's going to get stronger as the season progresses, which is going to make for a fun NCHC ride here because we got a lot of good teams. Yeah, and you kind of saw that early on too. After after Bussy went down. Um, they lost that close game against St. Cloud, but then the next two they lost by a combined what, like eighteen to three? Yeah, wasn't good. It's just, <laughs> I I remember texting you the the water boy gif. Oh no, we suck yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, and I had that same kind of uh, mindset too. But um, you know what's nice to see is that you know, maybe it was just a, a slow start when you're just. I mean, none of these players have ever been in a pod system before, so. You know, and uh, Dave Starman actually brought it up today on the the broadcast of the game. You know, he made the comment that Western might have been a better pod team last year with the amount of seniors they have versus the this year where it's a lot of young guys, um, which is I think speaks more volume to behind the scenes when it comes to preparation uh, when you're living in the pod versus on the ice. Um, everybody knows these young guys probably lean on the the upperclassmen, you know, help them get, get their feet wet a little bit here. So, you know, Western Andy Murray had a huge task in front of them with a pod system in general. Then you have a bigger uh, task in front of you when you got uh, close to 10 freshmen you're bringing on board with seven of them starting in the lineup in a pod system. So um, Western's going to make it difficult for these top teams to, to, uh, you know, really, jump out ahead in the nchc uh and like tony you mentioned north dakota struggling a little bit right now but still playing well even though when when they're down essentially to one leg which is which is north dakota hockey for you um 
St. Cloud, I agree, has been, been a little bit of shock. That they got a lot of speed right now from the couple games I've watched. And then we're not shocked Minnesota Duluth doing Minnesota, Minnesota Duluth things, and that's playing good overall hockey across the board. We're not shocked there. Um, so, I mean, the NCHC is going to be kind of like the Big Ten. I think it's going to be close. I think maybe the top two teams will pull away a little bit, but between three and eight, I think it's going to be fairly close the way these teams are playing, at least right now in the pod system. I've seen a lot of good play from all eight teams so far. You know, I do want to, two teams I want to call out, and we and we kind of already mentioned them. You know, St. Cloud State sitting at four and two. You know, very I'm I'm very impressed by them. I you know I was I was expecting them to be a good team, and and maybe they'll kind of come back to down to earth and and play into that you know five six level where I kind of anticipated them to be, or even at the four level. Um, but the, you know they started out really well. You know, four and two right now. Right now, second tied for second place. In, in the NCHC, I know I know it's still early, but the other team is Denver. Um, but on a different note, you know, yeah, they're not in a bad spot. They're only sitting, you know, one one win away behind St. Cloud in North Dakota for second place. Um, so that doesn't mean much early on. But, you know, I was expecting them to have a much faster start to this season. Uh, yeah, and like I said, Tony, I think the pod system is just affecting how some of these teams – get out the gate because it's just it's something new it's not something that you know you prep for um so i think now granted now the the pod's going to be ending here in about a week week and a half um so i can't really adjust anything anymore after this but um i don't think you know like for miami and colorado college sake you know one in I believe they're what one in two one in five respectively or sorry cc's one two and one right now I've seen a lot of good play out of both programs for and that record won't show that there. There's a lot to be, you know, if you're a Miami fan, you're a Colorado college fan. Do I think you're going to win an NCHC title this year? Probably not. Do I think you're going to make, make a run for a national title this year? Probably not. But I'm saying, what I'm saying is there's a lot of good talent right now on the ice to make life difficult for the teams like a Minnesota Duluth and St. Cloud and years to come, in the next couple of seasons, that talent that's out there right now is going to develop and make these teams a contender in the NCHC in the next season or two. So uh, it's, it's going to be a fun season, regardless who you, you know, which, whichever spectrum you're on in the rankings here at one or eight, uh, there's a lot of good talent. And we're not shocked. The NCHC, we've, I think we've agreed, Tony, the last five, six seasons has been the best college hockey tournament to be, or a uh, conference to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely, and it's, you know, I think it's going to, you know, continue to be that way. Uh, And, I mean, Tony, I mean, we're seeing some pretty good talent out of the WCHA. Granted, I know uh, not as many games played, and we're still kind of confused why there's no conference (laughs) uh, numbers posted, but they're all conference games. Um, I'm still kind of shocked here, Tony. Never I thought Lake Superior State was going to be 4-0-2, and if, you know, you're kind of doing the math here that they're them in Bowling Green at the top of the WCHA. So I was looking at that that earlier, and and I want to put a caveat to that. Both of those teams have also played Adrian College. Oh, good point. Good call. Out. <laughs> I was I was like, oh, they're off to a great start, and I mean, I noted it. Both of them are off to a really good start, but then when you see two wins were against division three, Adrian college. And, you know, I, I want to give, you know, on this podcast, we're a college hockey podcast. We mainly cover division one, but stick taps to Adrian college for being willing to go out there and, you know, play some of the big boys. Uh, so. Yeah. Definitely stick taps. That's not easy task, regardless who you play in the division one. Oh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I mean, Tom, I know we've talked about last year, Bowling green, and I know I, I was kind of high on them as a defensive team, but, the offense kind of really derailed them as far as being a contender for a one or two spot in the WCHA. Uh, kind of the opposite this year, though. Bowling Green so far, they're lighting the lamp pretty well, despite what you just made that comment, uh, with the defense still as top-notch as we've seen last year. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I'm with you. I would like to see a little bit more WCHA action with them just to really get a good idea of where they're at. But so far, I like what I see out of Bowling Green and Lake Superior State. Whether you're four and zero, 
two and zero in conference and two and zero versus a Division three. Uh, you know, Lake Superior State hasn't been really a contender in quite some time, and I'm and I'm oh. even dating back to the W or the CCHA days too. Um, so to see them playing well, regardless, whoever they're playing is, is good for that program. Um, so you kind of hope to see them be a contender here as, uh, as we get later and later into the season here, because even though we agree Minnesota state and Bemidji state might be the, the top two teams in this conference, um, you, you, the WCHA has got such a historic background. You just don't want to continuously see only two teams run away with this conference. You want to see it competitive. Oh, you're 100% right with that, with that, Matt. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to Michigan Tech for upsetting, upsetting Minnesota State. I, I saw that. And I was waiting for you to bring it up. And if you were going to bring it up, I would have waited. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, jumping a little bit ahead of myself and, and I think it's coming up this weekend. And, and that's one of those things we were talking about Lake State. I, I want to see this weekend. They've got Quinnipiac on the schedule. I'm not sure if that game's been postponed or not. I don't believe it has, but it may have. Um, Northern and Michigan Tech play, and, and it's always fun to throw the records out the window. Love that rivalry. Yeah, I remember last year you liked to bring that up. That's it. You know, in Michigan Tech and Northern, that was a big big two series last year um, that Michigan Tech took advantage of. That really kind of kept them in the top four of that conference last year. So it's going to be fun to see where Northern, who uh, – Hasn't got any play in yet, Tony. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I don't think I'll have to. Check I don't think Northern's don't played yet, have. and Tech, who's got six games under their belt, this is going to be interesting. What <laughs> would just that storyline right there? Northern's first series going to be against rivalry Michigan Tech. I mean, how do you how do you how do you get mad about kicking off a season that way? <laughs> well, you you can kick off the season against Fair State. Good tomorrow night, or I guess. Tonight, when this is probably being released. Oh, okay, cool. So, so Northern's going to get a game in before before they play Tech. Yeah, they'll have uh, a little bit of GLIAC action if you throw it to the other conferences. Um, they have three games in about four days. So, Oh, wow. Well, Friday, it looks like we're going old school, though. Friday, is it Friday, Saturday, Tony? Yeah, we're going old school. And I, hate, I, I can't believe I have to say it that way, right, because it's COVID. We're going old school college hockey here Friday, Saturday night, Michigan Tech, Northern Michigan, great rivalry. Uh, I can't wait to see how that one turns out. Um, Tony, also very old school home and home series. I kind of like that too. You know how I feel. Uh, you, you know how I feel about home and homes. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, my man. I'm right there with you. But you you get that every year with Northern and Tech. Houghton and Houghton and Marquette aren't too far apart, and. Um, they usually split them up. So one one at McGinnis and the other one at the Barry Event Center. So And then, you know, Tony, not to get away from just the rivalry, but the WCHA here. I mean, we just talked about it. Both Alaska programs not in action. So we, we this this conference gets a little bit smaller. Um, Huntsville 0-3-1 right now. Not playing terrible hockey, but, you know, there's still, you know, I – it's going to be hard to really put a good season together after everything they've gone through this year as far as they didn't know if they were going to have a program. They didn't know if they are going to have a season. They didn't know if they are going to have a schedule. I, they've, they've taken a huge – a lot of punches this year. The fact that they're, they're playing hockey, like I know we talked about them a lot last uh, podcast episode. Um, we're happy to see them back on the ice, but – um, you know, hopefully throughout the season they can just get a little bit stronger and a little bit better this year. Um, you know, get a couple wins here for for their sake. But I, you know, I I think that we could possibly. I mean, if, if Minnesota State, you know, I don't know if this is a fluke or not that they are two and one in the conference, Tony. It's three games. I know how you are with with watching and the WCH. This is crazy. Bowling Green's got seven games under the belt. Superior's got six. The rest are at two, three, and maybe four. Uh, it's hard to judge how this conference is going to turn out. But if Minnesota State isn't as strong as they were last year, this could be an interesting WCHA conference. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, I, I, you know, I, I'm still at that. I'm, You know, you hit it on the head with my opinion. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's early when a team's played three games. Talk to me when they've played ten. So. No, I agree with you. You don't get a lot. I mean, unless you're physically watching – 
how they play and in those three games where you can make assessments, which Tony and I, you know, we're, we're not, we don't have that capability. <laughs> um, you know, we're going off highlights and, and, you know, our notes and everything else that we can stats. Um, so I think I'm with you, Tony. I think 10 games. Let's see where the WCHA is in a few weeks here. Uh, we're going to see a lot more action in the coming weeks as we get into the new year. Um, and we'll really kind of start to assess where the WCHA is. I know you and I both picked Minnesota State to win this. Um, but, you know, maybe these other programs are listening to hockey in the classroom. They said, hey, what the fuck? Why, why, why won't you consider us? <laughs> these guys are a bunch yeah. of things. <laughs> So, if you guys are, give us a damn follow too while you're at it. So, um, uh, but yeah, so let's, we'll we'll reassess the WCHA. But I, there's still a lot of good talent in the WCHA with Bemidji. Um, you know, we'll see where Ferris State is. They're 0 and 2 out of two games this year. So, I just feel like that Ferris State program just keeps dwindling. Um, I don't, you know, I hate to see because I've I've met him at Herb Bellies. Shout out to Herb Bellies in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, but I met Coach uh, Daniels down there uh, many years ago, uh, and uh, you know he had one hell of a program going on. But you got to wonder if if something's got to change with his recruiting or possibly even a coaching change. I don't know what Fair State's got to do. The last four or five seasons have not been pretty for them. And it just seems like it's getting worse and worse. You know, it's and, and I'm going to say this, like if Ferris is a tough draw. You know, you don't have a big venue. You don't have a, you know, a super nice venue. Um, big Rapids isn't exactly, you know, the best college town out there. Um, you're, you're in a state where there are a lot of division one college hockey programs to compete with. And, I think they just kind of get lost, lost in the shuffle. It's, you know, it's a similar thing w- with like the UP schools and especially like a Lake state where it, it, it just can be a tough draw when you got, you know, bigger schools like Michigan and Michigan state and, and Western there to, to compete with and not to mention every other, you know, college coming in to recruit Michigan kids. So they're definitely at a, you know, a disadvantage there, but I also think it's some karma for, you know, their fans chucking a full thing of popcorn at you as you're walking. I, I had a feeling you were going to bring that up. Um, yeah. Uh, my fondest memories are in Big Rapids at a hockey game that I drove three hours to whatever, however long it takes us to get there um, to walk. To hour and a half. Whatever, and a three hour hours half. round trip. <laughs> um, to God, to like God knows hours. wherever. And, uh, to watch a scrap on the ice and watch a scrap off the ice. Uh, <laughs> oh, that that was a great fight. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. I think Ben Warder's helmet was laying somewhere. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was intriguing. But, Tony, you actually bring up a good point that kind of gets me thinking. When we saw Fair stay at, at their finest, this was the CCHA. That's a lot of Michigan schools in the conference. So you're, you're recruiting against your own conference, which um, – you know, I'm not a recruiter. I'm not a scout. I'm not a coach. I don't know if that's a if that's a benefit or not that you can try to recruit your way, you know, in your conference and try to lure players away from, you know, back then that was Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Northern Michigan, Tech, Western Michigan. Um, you're you're trying to lure them out of, you know, to come here and let's beat these programs in this conference. Well, now you're in a WCHA where it's a lot of Minnesota schools, two Alaska, one Alabama, and the only two other Michigan schools that you're with are Tech and Northern, not even remotely close to Ferris State. So now you're recruiting. You're not really recruiting to beat the other Michigan schools because you're going to play them. You're just trying to recruit them so that they don't go to your that school. Um, so I, I don't know if that's if that's, if I'm just kind of – talking out of my rear here, um, spinning circles. I, I don't think, I don't think you are. I think, I truly think you're on to something there. I think when, you know, when you look at a conference like the old CCHA and you know, you're Bob Daniels and you can walk into a, a family's living room and say, listen, you're going to be able to, you know, compete with some of the best teams in the country every single week. And, and I don't mean for this to be a knock on the current WCHA or anything, but you know, at that time, teams like Michigan and Miami, you know, we're, we're routinely competing for national championships. And then you threw in teams like, Mich- you know, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Western Michigan that were not necessarily competing for national championships, but all of them they were, were getting better. you know, kind of top. 
yeah, top 15 teams at one point. So I, I, I think you're onto something with that. Well, logic. and I think too, you know, you look at the time frame a little bit. I mean, Fair State, it wasn't that long ago where they were competing in the national title, um, which is crazy to think that. But then you talk about the Big Ten forming, which caused the CCHA, the old CCHA, because I don't want that people to get confused with the new CHA, CCHA that will come next year. You look at the old, CC, old CCHA that disbands, and all these teams had to go one or two ways, the WCHA or the new formed NCHC. And that's when you start seeing the demise of Ferris State, that the talent that they had when the CCHA, it was top notch. We saw a lot of guys go to the pros, go overseas to play the professional levels in Europe. And they were competing not only for a CCHA title each year, which I if I'm not mistaken, Tom, while we were there in college, uh, I believe they got one regular season title, if not. Uh, and, and I mean, they were in the national championship game. I think they fell to BC. They did, and, and it was there. a close, close and great game for Fair State, whether they won or not. That's that's big for their program. And ever since the move to the WCHA, it's like you almost like looked at it. And I think, and I'm saying this from my perspective because I've seen a lot of Fair State hockey when it was at its peak. Like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> um, I, I think it was one of those things where, you know, every now and then it, it's kind of like what Minnesota State's going through right now, where every now and then you just get the right group of guys that weren't, you know, high draft picks or draft picks at all. And, you know, stayed for four years. And it just so happened that, you know, they clicked really well with the right coach. And, 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 and I, you know, I think programs get that from time to time. Yeah, and Tony, like, I, like you mentioned, I'm not trying to knock the WCHA, but when you go to some kid's house to tell them, like, hey, come play at Fair State, and you're playing the likes of Minnesota State, Bemidji State, Michigan Tech, these aren't programs that jump out as – your classic national title run, you know, running programs versus the old WCHA or the old CCHA. When we're talking, when you sit, when you go to a kid's house and say, well, Hey, you can go play North against North Dakota and take them down. You could play against Minnesota and take them down or Michigan. Um, So I wonder with all these, the big name programs that left the WCHA that left the CCHA for the NCHC, you got to wonder if fair States recruiting took a huge hit because now you're trying to recruit these kids, not only to, play in a state where you got like you said tony a lot of teams regardless of what conference they're playing in but now you're trying to convince these kids to come to a town small town in michigan play at a spare you know play at a smaller school a smaller program that's that's known that's been known to win (laughs) you know not to knock them but now you're trying to recruit against the state of minnesota essentially a little bit here which is kind of hard to do Mm -hmm. because you know you you know, you, the likes of Bemidji State, Minnesota State, the, these aren't names that jump out as the last 30 years of being dominant programs. Um, so I, I just, you know, Ferris State, you just got to wonder. You got to wonder, too, coming in the next couple of years where I think we're going to see the WCHA kind of dwindle out because of the new CCHA forming. What are their steps? next steps going to be and where do, where do they go? And does this help the program or is it going to keep continuously hurting the program where – they got to start making some bold moves when it comes to are we going to start seeing Coach Daniels on the hot seat? Are we going to see the last of him behind the bench coming up here? You know, Something's got to change to turn the program around. Whatever they've been doing the last two, three seasons hasn't been working. Um, they've been almost irrelevant in the WCHA since the start of it. So, you know, a little food for thought before we move away from the WCHA today. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But, you know, I think we've talked a lot about the West, the Western conferences, and we've talked about the ECAC. And, you know, the one conference I, you know, would really want to touch on is I, and they're starting to get more action is is Hockey East. And, you know, your Huskies, man, got a nice, I know, nice upset overtime win, or uh, not overtime, they fell in overtime the first night, but but got a nice win over BC. I'm telling you, man, UConn going to make a run for it again this year. I think they listened to two weeks ago, the podcast, and they're like, you know, we're going to help them out. <laughs> I think so. I um, think so. Yeah, I mean, Tony, the same same story here, different year. And that's going to be the Hockey East. We're not – I know Boston College is the favorite, and I know a lot of them are picking to make the Frozen Four. 
this is going to be another hockey East season, though. I feel like that we're just it's going to go up and down from one to ten. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm fairly confident in BC, but no, I'm with you. This is going to be a very competitive conference, and you know, I, action's really starting to pick up now. Um, right now, BU and Vermont are the only two teams that haven't played, but. Um, we're seeing a lot more action. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of excited because I really wanted to start getting, you know, really once, you know, the remainder of these teams really get going here and they got more than two, to, you know, one to two games in action here, you know, I'm really looking forward to start really diving into, you know, watching some action, you know, whether it's on my iPad or computer, whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of talent in Hockey East. And, Tony, I know you were sh- extremely high on the Hockey East last year as far as the talent pool. Um, which I think everybody would agree with you on. Uh, Hockey East had a lot of great action last year. It's unfortunate that we couldn't find out how it would all come to an end, but um, minus Vermont, which, you know, unfortunate for Vermont, even though I think they do have a lot of changes behind the scenes that are happening. Um, So maybe Vermont will start (laughs) one day get relevant here. Um, But it's, it's exciting to see, the action so far. I mean, yeah, Boston College right now, there's five and one overall with that one circle at UConn, Attaboy Huskies, um, getting the nod there. Um, but, you know, Northeastern, don't sleep on them. Province has had a great program the last five, six seasons, if not longer. UMass, uh, you know, even after Kale McCarr left two years ago, still showing that they can win without him. And, you know, BU's always got a great program, even though they haven't started yet. Uh, UMass Lowell, we saw Maine last year play very well throughout the year and contend. I mean, this is a conference that's – it's not one-sided. It's very – it can be very even playing. And, and if you're a college hockey fan, you're excited to see how it plays out. It makes – I was about to say it makes Friday and Saturdays more interesting, but who knows when the hell these teams are going to play throughout the week. <laughs> uh, but, Tony, one one – team out east that i think i really want to kind of highlight here and that's uh that's not in a conference but i don't want i don't want to leave them hanging here and that's that's long island uh two and two so far this season so um they're playing some solid hockey here right now yeah you know i'm, I'm very impressed by you know what they've done so far and you know how quickly they can find success yeah i mean you know not a lot for long island like it's, you know i think we've mentioned before it's an independent program um, no hockey conference for them. This I've, I haven't looked at their complete schedule, but I got to think, Tony, that's a lot of Eastern Coast teams they're going to play, which is a lot of good hockey that they're going to play. So, you know, you can get a real good feel of how Long Island's going to bode well, you know, in the years to come. Um, but right now, two and two overall. Um, offense, a little, you know, start out a little slow here, but, you know, I think they're starting to pick up a little bit. Um, so it's it's just going to be fun to watch Long Island and see how they kind of progress this year. Um, one of those club teams that made the jump, and they instead of opting out this year, they decided to take the plunge this year and start playing despite COVID. So I, you know, had stick taps to them for making that jump. Um, you know, I haven't gotten to, to watch them on the ice yet. I'm hoping that I can find a live stream here. Uh, you know, in the coming weeks. Um, to to watch some Long Island hockey and and maybe see if uh, this team's going to be contending one day for uh, popularity with the Islanders here. <laughs> yeah, you never you, you never, never know. know. Long Island for you. <laughs> you just better hope uh, one of their top players doesn't transfer out and go somewhere else. They won't they won't take that. Yeah, time. exactly. Uh, if you're at Long Island, you better stay there. Or go to the pros. <laughs> Maybe if you're lucky, you'll end up in the Islanders. You don't have to move. <laughs> you can keep, yeah. keep keep your college scooter, whatever you drive. <laughs> uh, but Tony, uh, we have a, we've had a lot of action starting up. I think we're going to see more and more games as we get further, as we're closing out 2020. I think we can all say hallelujah to 2020. Thank God, and go into 2021. Um, and hopefully COVID's not going to screw this up. I think so far we've seen a lot of promising as when it comes to COVID, it's, it's whatever conference you're in. And each conference is doing their own thing a little bit here, whether it was the pod system. We're seeing a lot of just in-conference scheduling, which is, you know, it's okay. But, it, but also at the same time, it's great to see because you always want to watch the, you know, you want to see the conferences play within each other. 
Um, though every once in a while it doesn't hurt to see one of those classic non-conference rivalry games. Um, but, you know, so far COVID-wise, I think we're seeing a lot of promising uh, numbers here as far as keeping the COVID cases low to almost none um, despite traveling, not traveling. So uh, I'm getting a little bit more and more each week optimistic for the college hockey season and, and seeing this play out to the end here, which when I say end, I'm talking about a national championship coming at the end of March, beginning of April. Yeah, you know, I'm cautious, cautiously optimistic. You know, I, I saw what football can do. I, you know, we all saw the way football was able to alleviate it. And if football was able to do it with 100 bodies on a team, you know, I, I, I'm fairly confident that, that hockey will be. Yeah, so there's a lot of promising stuff that's happening in college hockey, and I think it's just going to keep getting – I mean, Tony, I think there's only one way to look at this. I mean, we were, not, we were knocked down to the ground beginning of 2020. There was only way one way to look, and that was up. So right now, college hockey is just slowly climbing that ladder. And I think uh, once we get into late January, beginning of February, I think we're going to be in full spin here with the teams that have not opted out. So it's it's uh, it's good to see if you're a college hockey fan, just keep getting more and more excited. More and more games are going to keep coming. One hundred percent. I mean, Tony, that's all I really got for for us this week. I mean, you got anything you want to add here? Yeah, t- uh, time for my favorite segment Here of we the go. week. Now, what are you drinking? Um, uh, I think I kicked it off last week, so I'll let you kick it off this week. Right, I'm drinking a beer by Martin House out of Fort Worth, switching it up a little bit this week. Um, a friend of mine, shout out to Nick, he uh, he gave me this beer called Puppy Chow. Oh. <laughs> um, it's a new beer. I think it's a it's a stout. Um, I, let me let me get the the exact write up of this of this bad boy. It is uh, it is very delicious. You can definitely taste the puppy chow. <laughs> it is a stout with powdered sugar, chocolate, peanut butter, and checks. You you can taste it, but it's definitely a refreshing drink. Tastes really good. Um, if you're ever down in the DFW area, um, or you can find this beer somewhere else, I definitely recommend checking out. Very refreshing. Brings me back to like second grade when somebody I was, was bringing say, in a, yeah. that delicious powdery Yeah, that, that goodness that got you all hyped up for 20 minutes and then you crashed for about four hours. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to see if it's at Benny's because, you know, if it ain't worth drinking, it's not at Benny's. <laughs> Shout out for anybody <laughs> in the Midwest. that They got Malort. Oh, God, don't, don't even talk to me about that. Shout out for anybody that knows that Benny's reference. That's one of any of our followers uh, or listeners. Uh, Tony, I'm uh, I didn't go the beer route today. I, I've been drinking so much beer lately. Um, I needed to mix it up. I actually just got a nice little glass here on the rocks of a good Elijah Craig bourbon here right now. Oh, great choice! I I could kind of hear that while yeah. we were recording. I yeah, heard, heard some. Uh... Some clinking. Uh, I was like, ah, I think he's got yeah, some Well, you know me. I got I got too much whiskey and bourbon here sitting here that I, someone's got to start drinking it. So, is is, is that a thing? No, too it's much? not a thing. But some people might claim it. I don't know. I don't have a problem. I just like to have yeah. fun. I, I I don't hang out <laughs> with those people. That exactly. Thing. <laughs> uh, and Tony, I just want to before we sign off here for anybody that's a, a hockey fan. And, and a big Disney fan. I don't know if anybody saw the trailer. Uh, the Mighty Ducks TV series trailer got released this week or last week. Uh, Ooh, quack, quack. I don't know how I feel about it, but we'll see. I mean, Coach Bombay is back, so we'll see how that turns out. Um, what crime? Yeah, exactly. He didn't look like a lawyer in this one. He looked like he was a bum off the street, so I don't know what kind of role he's playing in right now. Um so we'll see. I don't know if any of the original cast will be making any guest appearances on this show or not, but we'll, you know, hopefully it doesn't. I'm gonna take. A, hopefully, I'm gonna take a guess that Goldberg. Yeah, will yeah. Not be. <laughs> yeah if, if anybody's wondering why Tony's saying that, just Google. You'll figure it out. It's not hard to find out why we're saying that because I would agree with you. Um, Godspeed. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll see. I I don't know. I'm. I'm trying not to uh, have my hopes too high for the show because I don't want to derail the, uh, the the movies too much. You know that's that's what it, that's what I always worry about when some of these things try to make its comeback fifteen twenty years later. <laughs> 
And you and you know, I think this might actually be our last recording, probably before before Christmas. This is true. This is true. Christmas is next week for us, and uh, with the holidays and everything going on, I don't. You know, this is very true. So, Tony, cheers to you. Merry Christmas uh, to our followers. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everybody. Uh, uh, good shout out there, Tony. Good call out. We got love celebrating the holidays with our families. Uh, I know you'll probably be around around your family. Hopefully, everyone's staying safe. Um, always send them my best wishes. I'm gonna miss seeing them up in Wausau this year, but I'll be making the the trek up to up to Upper Michigan. So getting some. Yeah, same to you. Hopefully the family is staying safe, staying healthy. I'm sure you're going to have 28 feet of snow to walk through up in the UP at some point. I'm sure they already had snow like in August. Um, (laughs) uh, But to you and your family and then also to to our listeners, you know, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And, uh, you know, 2020 is getting ready to wrap up here and we're going to kick off 2021 a lot stronger. Guarantee you that. And we can't ch- wait to chat about a lot more. Exactly. Talk. So as always, 